Welcome back to They Reminisce Over You. I'm Christina. And I'm Miguel. This week, we are discussing 50 years of hip hop. 1973 is generally what's agreed upon as the start of hip hop. August 11th, it was party being hosted by DJ Cool Herc. So all through 2023, we're going to be talking about our favorite moments of hip hop with some of our favorite people. And first up, we have the guys from the Q Points Podcast. Jay Ray and DJ Sir Daniel. How you guys doing? I am fantastic. So happy to see my Canadian cousins again. <laughs> yes. <Indeed. laughs> indeed, this is real indeed. dope. I am also really well. This is Jay Ray. I'm also really well and excited to be here and just chop it up with y'all. Like y'all show so dope. So we are great. I'm grateful to, to thank be you. Here. Thank so you. And dope. and speaking of dope shows, round of applause for Q Points being nominated for Ambi Award Best Entertainment Podcast. Oh, hey. Thank you. Round of applause. Thank you so much. I listen. I I know I speak for both Jerry and myself when I say that we are so grateful Mm. for the for the love and the support that everybody has been showing us. And this has just put a battery. I know it's put a battery in my back to keep going. (laughs) Yes. For sure. Yes. Same here. Same here. And they reminisce over you 2024. So hey, we try yeah. to keep up with you guys. <laughs> exactly. Let's go. You guys open the this. door. We come right behind you. <laughs> yes, come on. on in. That's it. <laughs> so before we get too far into it, why don't you give us a little bit about yourselves and the show so people who don't know can get familiar. You want to take it, Derry? You go ahead and take it. You're always good with the start off, and I'll pick it up. Okay. So, cue points. Imagine you're eavesdropping in on a conversation between two music nerds who've apparently known each other for a very long time, who have very, very specific likes, very specific niches within the music canon, specifically Black music canon. At Q Points, we say we're dropping the needle on Black music history, and J. Ray and I love giving accolades to artists, musicians, bands, producers, journalists within hip-hop, phases, cultural moments, and shining a spotlight on those particular things so that the general public does not forget them. We look at ourselves as a time capsule, if you will, a living time capsule of just general Black music history and how much we enjoy it and all the little things that you could never have even thought of. (laughs) We will bring up that topic and bring it to you. Right, J. Ray? Absolutely. DJ Sir Daniel covered everything that is true about Q Points. And I think the other thing that is true about who we are and what we do is we definitely start with the heart and what matters to us first. One of the things that was really important to us when we started was we saw a void in the podcasting world where there were just like people and experiences and like artists that folks just weren't talking about. And kind of very Gen X. We were very comfortable leaning into that. Like, we're definitely Yo! TV Raps, Rap City, yes. Pump It Up kids, you know, and wanted to reminisce a video soul. Like, so reminiscing on that time and we saw that opportunity to really bring that. And so, you get a little bit of everything with Q Points. So, you definitely get the music, but you also get me and DJ Sir Daniel's history, right? You get an opportunity. We do talk about some current events and to that point, we don't just have Q Points as a podcast, we have a whole platform. So we have other shows that members of Q Points can watch, like However Comma or QP Science 3000, which aren't quite Q Points, but like are Q Points adjacent and give us an opportunity to engage with our audience in a different way. So 
Yeah, we are truly your music big brothers, is what we like to tell folks. That's, That's a good way of putting it. I like that. That is a good way of putting it. And since we are going to be talking about hip hop, let's just get right into it. Whoever wants to answer this question first, feel free. But when did you fall in love with hip hop? If you can remember, what was the moment? What was the thing? Was it a show that you saw on TV? Was it a song you heard on the radio? Let us know what it was. Okay, so for me, this is Jay Ray again. I will never forget the moment that I fell in love with hip hop. And what's so funny is one of our day one listeners is the person that helped me fall in love with hip hop. Okay. So that's really dope, right? <laughs> so I was actually in sixth grade when I fell in love with hip hop. So hip hop had been a part of my life all of it, right? For the most part. But when you're a kid, you listen to what your parents are listening to for the most part. And let me tell you what Brenda and Johnny didn't like was <laughs> rap music. <laughs> they didn't like that. <laughs> they thought it was noise and, and loud talking. So they weren't. So as a child, I could kind of like listen and be like, oh, that's interesting. I might get some pop culture things, but it wasn't like for real, for real love. But in 1988, I was in sixth grade and we were having some sort of break in the day. And Miss Carol, who was our teacher's, let my good friend Wani play music videos on the VHS. So they brought, they wheeled in the TV. On the big cart. <laughs> exactly. This is a whole setup for a video. So they wheeled in the cart and this TV is on top. And then there's this VHS player and Wani put in this VHS tape. And it was basically like, all of what became my favorite sounds coming out of it from Yo! MTV Rap. So she would tape all the videos and I was like watching Light as a Rock by MC Light and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, what's happening? I've been missing all of this. It was colorful. It was creative. It was poetic. It was everything. So that was the moment in 1988 that I fell in love with hip hop and I never looked back even when it's gotten like sketchy and like <laughs> I don't like what that's giving mm -hmm. I've still always had a love for it so that's when it was for me Sir Daniel what about you? Sir Daniel here so I can't say it was one specific moment but there was like a hodgepodge a little pepperings here and there <laughs> of events that made me fall in love with hip hop like for instance one moment included um Theo and Cockroaches, Friends, Romans, and Countrymen rap on the Cosby <laughs> Show. I just remember like being enamored with the two of them and their their dynamic and the dance moves that was going on with the, you know, the WAP and trying to imitate the, them rapping and learning their history lesson at the same time. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And then another moment was when I saw Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> and Lamar's rap, the Lamar rap. Right. <laughs> which was groundbreaking in and of itself. And then, of course, there was the the, the keyboard part, the dun, 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 which then led to the showstopper, which Salt and Pepper used for their breakout single, which is the moment because in fifth grade, Leona Frett, yes, that was her name, Leona <laughs> Frett, let me borrow her Salt and Pepper Hot Cool and Vicious cassette. And I just... You know, I took it home, I put it in my little boombox, and I was just completely blown away because at that point, I had never consumed rap in its, like, complete form in my bedroom and able to sit with the music. And at that point, I was just blown away because here are these two girls who look like people I saw from around the way, and they were having so much fun. 
and it was dope at the same time. So, like J. Ray said, it was that moment I just never looked back. I was like, <laughs> oh, so what else, is, you know, who else is doing what? And so that led me to, you know, turning on Mr. Magic and Red Alert on the weekends. And I grew up seven-day Adventist, so I had to be up for church in the morning. And listening to Red Alert and Mr. Magic on Friday nights had me like dead tired in church the next day. <laughs> but there was no turning back. I was completely hooked at that point. All right, Christina, you're up next. Actually, you answer first. I want to see if there's a theme. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Well, for me, and we've spoken about this on the show a lot of times, I was lucky enough to grow up with 1580 K Day, which was the first all hip hop station in the U.S. Now, I had no idea that other places didn't have it like we did. So it basically just came to me. There wasn't like a singular moment. It was always there. And I live with my grandparents and my aunt. Uh, she's 10 years older than me. So basically everything that she did, I wanted to do. So if she was listening to K-Day, I wanted to listen to K-Day. Whenever she would go to school, I get out 2.30. She gets out at 3.30. I sneak in her room and turn on the radio, listen to it for a good hour before she comes home. So I'm hearing iced tea, LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, basically everything that was hot and big in 86 and 87, I was taking it. But I think the biggest thing that I remember is listening to K-Day and hearing Six in the Morning by Ice-T. I had heard nothing like that before. And it was like, he's talking about stuff that I see outside every day, even though I shouldn't have been seeing <laughs> stuff like that. But it was really familiar to me. And he's making references about LA and whatnot. And then my aunt would come home and she's playing these random records that she has. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's better than what Kiss FM was playing. You hear in Duran Duran and stuff like that. Even though I love that because of hearing it and having no choice, <laughs> I gravitated towards the hip hop and it's been in me ever since. How old would you say you were then? How old was I? Can't I do the quick maths. How old were you in 86, 87? 11. Okay. So fifth grade. All right. -ish. That was the theme I was looking for. <laughs> I was like, so it all seems like we were all around 10, 11-ish. Well, I was mm -hmm. 12 for me. So I had listened to Top 40 radio. So I would hear some rap and hip hop, but it'd be like Fresh Prince or, you know, just whatever the few songs that kind of hit the pop Top 40. But I think the moment I realized was like, no, I like hip hop. Not just whatever is included in the, the pop Top 10, Top 40 was a friend of mine introduced me to um, Naughty by Nature, the first album. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when I heard that, and I think because it was so different from, you know, what you would hear on the radio, I was like, no, I like this. <laughs> and Miguel gets a kick out of this all the time because here I am, like 12 years old, wearing an OPP t-shirt to school. <laughs> I somehow found a Naughty by Nature t-shirt at my local mall. And like, I grew up somewhere at that time. You would, I don't even know why they sold it there. <laughs> but I found it. I snatched it up, walking around school with an OPP t-shirt on. And luckily, no one really listened to hip hop like that. So nobody had no idea how inappropriate that was, as far as I know. <laughs> so that for me is when I never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny that you I could get that. away with that <laughs> just being in a small town outside of Vancouver yeah. where like you and two other people probably got that. Yeah. Nobody else got the reference. <laughs> yeah. So And that's wild because OPP was a big radio hit. It though. was. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure 
somebody knew, but probably like my teachers in grade school wouldn't have known and like my other 10, 11 year old classmates would have known. Maybe, you know, somebody a little older, like a teenager or something, but nobody ever asked me about it as far as I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Me and the one friend who introduced me to it, we were the ones that knew. (laughs) A little inside secret. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So whoever wants to answer this first, what is your favorite hip hop album? And why? Hmm. You go ahead, Jerry. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay, so this is just gonna come out. Okay, so my favorite hip hop album. This is so hard. Um, <laughs> so my favorite hip hop album of all time. I want to answer this in two ways. Okay. When I was, I think up until college, I would have said the album that we are going to actually be talking about on Q Points, which is Public Enemies, It Takes a Nation of Billions to Hold Us Back. They held a very important piece of my love for hip-hop for like a super long time. But as my ear started to change and the way I started to listen to hip-hop changed, my all-time favorite hip-hop album is A Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. And for many reasons, but while I think the low end theory is a top to bottom great record, I think Midnight Marauders took all of the things that they learned in the low end theory years and shined them up a little bit. I felt like Q-Tip's production was way cleaner. You could tell that he was getting more influences, like he was taking influences from R&B and pop and incorporating them into the beat making and the way he was deciding to kind of craft some of the production on that record. I loved the storytelling throughout the album. So you get, you know, the the Midnight Marauder kind of taking you through the record, which was really dope. In addition, it was just a moody album. So it took you through many different moods. So you got a little bit of hardcore, you got some love, you got some boom bap hip hop, and it really truly is like a complete record. Not only that, they actually did an HIV PSA in that album, which for men touching that topic, because up until then you would have, you had BDP, Salt and Pepper was kind of like the big breakout with let's talk about AIDS, but even Tribe just like, okay, we're not going to ignore this and we're going to put this in there was really, really important. So yeah, Midnight Marauders is the joint. I still play it from top to bottom. It never gets old. And um, the album cover, my goodness. <laughs> yes, with all the faces. With all the faces. And DJ Sir Daniel had the opportunity to interview DJ Jazzy Joyce. And just talking about how that all came together is amazing. And so you have folks from the West Coast. You have folks from everywhere yeah. on that album cover. Everybody with their headphones on like us. Yeah. So if it was now, we would be on that album cover. Yo. That's really dope. Like we would be on that cover, <laughs> like being blown away. So yes, that's it. Midnight Marauders, A Tribe Called Quest. All right. Sir Daniel? That's your final answer? My final answer. <laughs> and it's a dope answer. It really is. It's funny because you mentioned Joyce. During that same interview, we talked about her her tour experience with Diggable Planets. And which leads me to my favorite album, the Blowout Comb album by Diggable Planets, yes. which was their, their second and final album together. 
And the reason, and I, I, there's, it, this was kind of hard for me because there were so many different albums that I sat with and, and I could recall that chronicled different moments in my life, different phases in my life, especially my different ages. And Blowout Comb came out when I was in, I believe I was a, a freshman or going into my sophomore year at Georgia State University. And that was a tumultuous time for me personally, because I was still trying to figure out what the hell am I doing? Because I really didn't know what I was doing. I was experiencing this freedom, but still needing to learn how to structure myself. And along comes this album, and it felt like I was running parallel with this album because Diggable Planets at that time, as a group, had peaked because they won a Grammy for their first album. They were experiencing all this fame from the first album but the second album they made a very conscious decision to to go in the opposite direction and to really thumb their noses at the establishment that had made them superstars and there was a lot of different themes there was black um black capitalism black capitalism which they were talking about you know letting the dollar circulate within the black community then there was discussions on the album about you know, black power and, you know, freedom and things of that nature. And I just felt like I just kept hearing myself being referenced to in this album. And sonically, let's just talk about the production was like next level for them. It sounded like a movie. It was very cinematic for me. It sounded they used those different flourishes from like 70s black exploitation movies, which gave that cinematic feel like you were watching Shaft and Africa and all this <laughs> other stuff. And they were rapping over the beats. Of course, you know, everybody sounded much stronger and clearer in their the directions of their rhymes, but they still had a way of being cohesive as a group. There weren't a whole lot of visual representations for that album. I think they may have had two videos. Creamy Spies, which I think, which is my favorite song off the album. Creamy Spies is my favorite song on the album. Had a video and, it, you know, it had the, the spy movie kind of treatment for it. And I just really respected the hell out of them. I didn't feel alienated in any ways when I listened to the album. And I literally could sit with that album in my ugly ass Mercury Sable car <laughs> with a cassette player. And my little weak speakers was still thumping with adult production and just learning Atlanta as an as a emerging adult, learning Atlanta, learning who I am. That cassette tape was right along there with me. So that's why it still holds a special place in my heart. It's funny you say that. Just two days ago, I put on Ninth Wonder and just mm -hmm. let it loop for like that, 20 minutes. That <laughs> joint is sick. It is. It kicks so hard. Yeah. It kicks so hard. And I'm, I'm so happy that Joyce had an opportunity to, to do her thing on that, on that album and still have her voice be heard. Because to me, that's like the pinnacle of the album. Mecca's part. Everybody knows that I'm 68 inches above sea level, right. 93 million miles above these devils. Everybody says their yeah. part, <laughs> loves their part. So, yeah. All right, Christina. All right, you guys. You're are are y'all going to? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm ready to hear this. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say my favorite, but I'm going to say one of my favorites, <laughs> uh, or at least for today. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I'm going to pick Outcast, Southern Playlistic, Cadillac Music. 
And the reason mm. why I decided to go with that for today is at the time I was listening to a lot of, well, probably most of us, East Coast and West Coast artists. So, you know, the Nas, I don't know, Snoop, the usual around that 92, 93 time. And then when Outcast came out, was this like 94 was the first album, I believe. They broke what I became accustomed to was either the East Coast, West Coast thing. Like the first time I heard Players Ball, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just because Diddy convinced Stray to go shirtless in the video, although that did catch my eye. <laughs> but it also caught my ears. History. It also caught my ears. <laughs> and just like the booming sort of like that car culture music, like even the West Coast mm -hmm. music has that too. Like Hootie Who is probably my favorite song on the album because they have like that one minute at the beginning before the beat even drops. And then when it comes in, it gets me every time. It doesn't matter that this is like, what, almost 30 years old. Every yeah. time that beat drops, I'm like, ah, like it's the first time <laughs> I've heard it. So that's what I'm going with. Oh, boy. You took one of my. <laughs> See, <laughs> she knows that like Outkast is probably my favorite group of all time. So I'm going to let you I have wasn't that. trying to steal. <laughs> <laughs> that's, on my list. that's okay that's okay i always have a plan b so i'm going with and people are probably going to laugh when they think about the album cover because he's got on a sheer shirt and he's got a perm his hair is blown out <laughs> rhythmalism by dj quick that is oh, the album yeah. that i'm going with listen production yep. his production is legendary yes completely i can Sick. listen to anything that quick does so I'm going with rhythmalism because from beginning to end, you just doing like this the entire time. Mm -hmm. And letting that perm. Yeah. Letting the perm wave. <laughs> uh, and just thinking about it and listening to it when I'm here in Toronto, it just reminds me of home. So mm -hmm. it, it feels like being back in LA. So I'm going with rhythmalism. Can I, can I ask everybody a question? Yep. Has everybody been able to experience your favorite album in concert like your that your favorite album artist and then like you heard specific joints from that album in in person in concert favorite album well, since christina took mine <laughs> yes 2014 we actually came to atlanta to go to the outcast mm -hmm. at last show so to see oh, them yeah. do nice. all of those hits mm -hmm. in person in atlanta that was mm -hmm. top of the list for me. We were going to see them here in Toronto at OVO Fest. But after that show was announced, it started to come out that they were doing more shows for the 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Once that one came up, I'm like, we need to see it outcast in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. So we flew down, stayed for the weekend. Went to the Sunday night show. Loved it. Well, it was funny because we had bought tickets for, I think, the Friday night show. And then when they announced the Sunday night show, we're like, just get those tickets and we'll sell those other ones. Because <laughs> yeah. luckily, that last night was when they brought everybody out. Yeah. If you were a rapper <laughs> from Atlanta between 86 and Ooh, that yes. 2014, yes. they pretty much brought everybody out. And the ones who didn't perform were there in the front row. Like they're shouting out Jermaine Dupree. Uh, they brought Killer Mike out on stage. Bone Crusher was there. They even brought Erica Badu out. Yeah, and then we got VIP tickets and they were so cheap. Yes. So we got to actually be in like a comfortable front area. They had food. They actually had <laughs> places for you to like actually go to the bathroom and like and not be squished by like. And nice. I'm only was five feet tall. Yeah. It was outdoors. 
And I'm really short, so I'm like, for once, I don't have to, like, look through people's shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just being able to experience, like, that performance, but also be comfortable while doing it made it so much better. <laughs> yeah, and the best part of it for me is the final song they did was Gangsta Shit. And oh, as soon as the song started, it started to rain and drizzle a little bit. So their final song was In the Rain, and I didn't care. I loved it. <laughs> That's iconic. Yeah. I think I'm for one. I'm mad that I was did not get tickets to that show. I was I missed it. Me too. But, I was in Atlanta, and we, we were we were both here in Atlanta. But I promise you, you can hear the city shake. Mm. Yeah, you can hear the city shake because I believe that was in Centennial Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was in the middle. Of, it's in the middle of everything, and it was pure pandemonium around mm. the park for that concert. For people that couldn't get in, right. or you know, are at least hanging outside trying to you know get the vibes too. But yeah, I, I envy you for that one because <laughs> that was definitely a moment that we will all remember. For yeah, sure. mm-hmm. hands down, the best concert experience I've definitely. ever had. That's dope. <laughs> I have, um, I've seen Q-Tip do stuff from Midnight Marauders. I've never seen Tribe. I missed. Well, I wasn't able to see them during, I think there was like a Rock the Bells tour or something that they did, you know, before Fife passed away. And I didn't see that, but I've seen Q-Tip do some stuff, but I had, I had, I never saw all three, all four of them together. So that'd be interesting, but it's interesting. So last year I saw, Sir Daniel, I saw Diggable Planets for the first time. They killed, like they they <laughs> killed it. They were in Philly. My brother got me tickets. Of course, I got COVID right after because every time I hang out with my brother, <laughs> I'm going to get COVID. It's at a, at a show. It's kind of required, I think, at this point. But we went to see Diggable Planets, and they did a but they did actually most of the joints from Blowout Home, and it was really really mm. dope. But yeah, but I've never seen uh I never saw Tribe live do Midnight Marauders. So I envy all of you all because I have <laughs> yet to see Diggable Planets live. I've mm. never seen them live. They're, and they're constantly touring. Yeah. And it feels like every time it comes around, they come to Atlanta, I miss it. But mm. I'm going to make it my business to make sure that the next time that they have a bill, I'm going to go see them because I got to get me some Diggable Planets before, you know, anything happens, or anything changes. Well, I saw on Twitter the other day that they were performing somewhere, so they're out on the road now. <laughs> Look, I'm putting on my alerts <laughs> to make sure I find Two things there. They're having a moment because Rolling Stone just did a piece about their first album. And so definitely check out the article. It's dope. It talks about how the sampling on that record was unique and kind of did something interesting for hip-hop at that moment. And the second thing I wanted to bring up, all of our artists... And maybe this is just because of when people fall in love with music. But all of our artists are kind of from the same generation yeah. of, of hip hop. <laughs> yes. um, and that the one for the albums that we picked. And that's really interesting, too. Even the the later album you picked from Quick, because that was like late, later 90s. Yeah, that was 98. Yeah, it was like 98. But of course, Quick is from the same generation that we're talking about with Cast and mm-hmm. Diggable Planets and Tribe. So I don't know what that means. But I do think it's interesting <laughs> that all of our folks are from kind of the same period of time in hip hop. I think for me, that was a time when everything didn't sound the same. So there was a lot of variety and it wasn't weird to hear 
the artists that you just named being played back to back on the radio or the videos being played back to back. It didn't really like stand out. Like, why is this one being played next to this one? Everything just kind of went together at that time. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that a lot and I don't know if it's because, you know, after you get to a certain age, your ears don't hear music the same thing, but that's what we always say is at that era, it seemed like there was so much more variety. I don't know if that's actually true or if that's just how we remember it, or if it's just now that I'm old, I've fallen into that. Everything sounds the same category, <laughs> but I think we are actually losing out on regionality in today's music though, because we have such, everybody kind of shares this online space, whereas before you you did hear stuff from other places, but you were also very insulated within your own space. So I think that helped create very different regional sounds. And with that said, uh, what do you guys think about like current hip hop? Are you the get off my lawn? I don't listen to little Uzi Vert types, <laughs> or are you open to like newer artists? Jerry and I have had those conversations a lot. And we really were very intentional about not sounding like the two old men. <laughs> and yes. we try we try to make sure that we're not the two old men in the Muppet show that are yeah. sitting up in the balcony going on going everything. <laughs> we oh, we man. don't wanna be those guys. However, we do <laughs> I think we fairly critique certain things and we look for we look for the commonalities on why music is doing what it's doing, um, why a particular generation isn't, you know, adhering to certain rules as if you were. And but then when you think about it, you know, each generation likes to break rules. You know, each generation feels it's necessary to break rules and to do something completely different that sets them apart from everybody else. I was just not a fan of the visceral like the kind of nose turning the turning up of noses at the older generation now that if you want to put me on a defensive <laughs> do that start you know talking about old heads and shut up um, you don't know what you're talking right. about and the throwing around of the word y'all ain't relevant that's not relevant what's right. not relevant that you know that kind of stuff puts a bee in my bonnet you know I, i'll admit <laughs> to that I don't feel, again, because music is such an emotional thing. And if you heard what I said earlier about each of us, I'm sure if we just, if we unpack why those records were so important to us, there's also an, an emotional attachment to the music that we were listening to because of whatever was going on in our lives at that time. I'm sure if we pull a, a 19 year old now and ask them, why does I spice why do they relate to that? Why do they love her so much? I'm sure they'll be, they hopefully they can articulate to us what emotional attachment they have to that music because music, second to smell, I think music is one of those things that will help us store memories in our brains like smell, right? Or unlocks different memories. And so I just feel like I don't have an emotional attachment to a lot of the things that I'm hearing these days. And so I just stay in my lane. You know, I pay attention to what's going on. I pay attention to trends, especially being a DJ, being a podcast host who talks about music because we are, we're experts in our fields. All, all of us here right now, we're experts in this field because we live this, you know, we consumed it. We're part of it, but I do like to 
keep my eyes and ears open and see what's going on. And I also pay attention to what's happening globally, what's happening to us as, as human beings right now, and how that can possibly affect the music and indicate what kind of music is being put out today. Yeah, I agree with everything Sir Daniel said. I enjoy a, a number of things now. Sir Daniel will tell you, like, that Little Sims does it for me like the little <laughs> sims the the last record and the record that came out in 2022 so the 2021 and the 2022 records i really enjoy huge fan of what the stuff that kendrick is doing the jid i like what jid is doing so there are definitely new hip-hop folks that i really am into but i will tell you that there is a thread between those folks that i like in that they respect the history that sir daniel was talking about like they understand that history and they're like drawing a line from that to what they're doing and they're calling back to it i appreciate that so much and so i agree with sir daniel in i I will listen, but I do get turned off with how much connection to history we're losing. For instance, I was on Facebook yesterday and one of my Facebook friends, teacher, he's younger than all of us on this call, said, I can't believe that my students, my high school students, don't know who Wu-Tang Clan is. Oh. Just don't know who that is. Okay, that's a shocker. Wow. <laughs> and... That's crazy to me, but you know what? A person came on to the post and said, actually, it kind of makes sense. Music for us was communal. We had radio, we had videos, we had all of these things that we weren't programming it ourselves. Like we had right. to, we had our cassettes and we might tape stuff off the radio, but we could only get it. We either went out and we got the record or we heard it on the radio. Or we watched a video. Whereas now with streaming, it's so cheap. Everybody's programming their own playlists. Mm. So you mm -hmm. only have to listen to the stuff that you like. And, and nobody, I listen to the radio now. I didn't five years ago. I guess it's my, <laughs> that's funny. My age is showing up. I actually <laughs> listen to the radio, like in the car. Sometimes I'll have like half the time I'll have my phone, but the other half of the time I'm just listening to whatever's on classic r&b radio like so that's how i keep up with like the new i know what the new people is doing now but there is something that gets lost and that scares me so to answer your question love a lot of what the new folks are doing think a lot of folks are doing some great stuff but i'm, I'm afraid that so much of the history is getting lost to time that i don't know what hip-hop is going to sound like in another 50 years yeah well, can I offer a little pushback mm -hmm. on something Jay Ray said? So about your the teacher friend saying that they couldn't understand why the kids didn't know who Wu-Tang was. When we were that age and younger, we knew who Aretha Franklin was. We knew who Marvin Gaye was. We knew who mm -hmm. the, the Temptations were. We knew, we knew who Ludwig van beethoven is right <laughs> i think and somebody said this in the information age if you don't know something it's willful and so a part of me does put some of the responsibility in their laps i do think their parents their elders you know 
don't know if we're losing recipes and then they're not calling, they're not cleaning up right. it Saturday mornings with the music right. blaring and teaching them what they should be listening to. This is what you clean up to in our age, you cleaning up to Wu-Tang, you know, Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to F with. And, you know, you do those things. And I think maybe, um, and I'm just, this is just a, um, a, not a scientific guess, but you know, I'm just, you know, thinking out loud here because they're so information driven and so attached to community via devices. Mm. There's some separation between, there's a lot of separation between us. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. I just feel like there's this real, I don't want to deal with that old stuff. You know, we're new and we're young and this is what's popping over here that, you know, taken to the max. Mm. We did that. Yes. We didn't want to hear that old timey stuff. Sometimes we turned it Mm. off, but we still had a respect for it. We still listened to it. The outlet still respected it and put it on a pedestal. We saw representations of it. On our platforms like videos and the video shows and to J-Ray's point, the radio and whatnot. So I don't know. I think there's still, there's like a willfulness, a willfulness there of not just wanting to not just deal with any of that old stuff at all. And that is kind of a turnoff. But like J-Ray said, we, we listen, we keep our ears and eyes open to what the kids are doing. And so we can talk about it, you know, because we want to have understanding of what they're going through. What about you, Chris? I have a theory that kind of goes with that in terms of maybe a willfulness of why we're losing recipes. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. with our generation, we are used to looking things up because we Mm -hmm. had to. We're used to doing the act. I mean, before to just get a book out of the library, we had to go through the Dewey Decimal System and look through the cards. So I think for us, it's second Those long me- drawers right? and like little cards. Right? Oh my God. My goodness. Like pre-internet, you know? So I think we're just kind of used to looking for information when we're interested in something. And because like my parents didn't grow up listening. I mean, I didn't grow up listening to like my parents' music wasn't, you know, soul music or R&B music or something. So I discovered a lot of these older artists through hip hop's sampling. So I would hear something and I'd be like, oh, what's that? And I would read liner notes and I would see that and I would look it up. And it was right. just so natural to do that. Right. And I'm a teacher as well. So what I had noticed with my students is some people were just naturally curious. And I had would have students that maybe weren't doing as well as other students. So I thought, oh, maybe I need to like give them more resources, more information. So the students that were naturally curious, the more I gave them, the more they would soak up. But the ones that weren't, it didn't matter if I gave them more information. They just didn't want to look it up. So I don't know if maybe because you think that it's so easy to get information now, but at the same time, you're kind of overloaded with it. And because we had to look for so much more. I think we're just more inclined to do that. Whereas kids now, and here I am sounding old, they just kind of like, <laughs> whatever, you know, like these kids these days. Because <laughs> you'll see things like on Twitter or like YouTube comments, someone will just ask someone to be like, hey, what's the name of that song or whatever. And I'm like, you're going to wait like two hours and so hope weird someone responds. Or like, just go to Google right now. <laughs> So I'm just like, why would I ask someone and hope for a response within two hours or so? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So, yeah, I personally think it's just we consume things differently. Yeah, I agree with all of those. 
and Christina and I have had this conversation several times. <laughs> and just like you guys, I try not to be the old dude yelling at the cloud and get off my lawn. So I, I try to embrace a lot of things too, but I find that the newer stuff, the male artists I'm really not into mm-hmm. because it's a lot of auto tune and singing and things like that. Whereas the women are just mm-hmm. spitting. Like yeah. I love uh, Flo Millie. Mm-hmm. I love yes, this, yes. No, this new chick out of Lola. New York, Lola Brooke. Mm-hmm. I love Glorilla. <laughs> I love all of that. And it's the women that I'm into these days. And Have you heard Gloss Up? Yes. Big Gloss. So that's the I stuff mean, that I'm listening spitting. to. Yes. Okay, so this is actually really interesting. So Sir Daniel and I have also talked about this. How for like the first time in history, you know, we I blame Nikki for this. And it's a good <laughs> thing where hip hop as a pop culture phenomenon since like the 2010s has been because of women MCs, like really just kind of really stepping up and doing all of these things that the men used to do. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So we would have hip hop on the charts for the most part. You, you're going to get a Drake. Right. We know mm-hmm. we're going to do that. Drake, you're going to get a Kendrick. Kendrick but then all of the other hip hoppers are going to be, you know, women MCs. Yeah. And like I said, that's what I'm into these days. Mm-hmm. And when we were doing our episode about Jodeci, we were talking about content and things like that. And Christina doesn't like this idea, but I say that it's our fault because we're like absentee parents like, because these kids are learning from us. Like we grew up listening to Jodeci and stuff like that and wonder why there's a Chris Brown running these streets now. Right. So we can't be mad at that. But at the same time, I would like to see a little bit more effort from a lot of these quote unquote popular artists. That's my rant with the get off the lawn and get off the cloud and all that good stuff. I'm here for it. I agree with you. Like all those ladies have been carrying the game on their back. Megan, Mm -hmm. uh, Lotto, Mm -hmm. the city girls alone. And they're they're, They've become like pop cultural phenomenons. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what the guys aren't doing. Yeah. They're not in blazing themselves on the psyche of America like those ladies are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're not etching themselves on Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So they really got to set their cookies up. Yeah. <laughs> but Lola Brooke, that's the one. That's his new favorite. Yes. <laughs> I got to check out Lola Brooke. I'm, I'm unfamiliar. I got to check out Lola oh, Brooke. Oh, you'll, so. I think you'll like don't her. Don't play with it. Don't play Foxy with it. Foxy Brown 2.0. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good description. Except she's like, she's like yeah. five feet and 80 pounds. <laughs> yes. She's, she's tiny. tinier than little Kim. Yes. She's oh, tinier wow. than little Kim. Yes. But that voice. Yes. Okay. But that voice, she yeah. is definitely six feet tall. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just appreciate that the women are out here like they're rapping. Mm-hmm. Even like maybe if, you know, sometimes the lyrics could still make me better. Or something. <laughs> right. But like I appreciate I'm not saying all or anyone specific, but I'm just saying like at least the style, the bravado, the enunciation, <laughs> like they're out here rapping. Yes, I love when I can understand what somebody is saying. 
Oh, can we, yes. can we, can we, can we, can we give it up for <laughs> understanding and, and trying to make the rhyme make sense? Like, yes. I feel like I need to get, ah, I get that metaphor. Right. Whereas for a minute there, it was like, I don't, you're yeah. just putting words together. I don't. They weren't, but Jay Ray, they weren't even trying to rhyme at one point. Mm. Exactly. It, That's how we got like blue face and, and mm-hmm. them. Oh, exactly. Rhyme or rhyme and, on beat. <laughs> or rhyme on beat. Okay, but okay. here's what I did give them that. Okay, because we did have rappers that rapped off beat, you know, in our day. You know, Silk Guru, the Shock is the one of my rapper favorite of all time. MCs, was often a little behind or a little ahead, you know. Silk the Shock, you're absolutely Silk, right. But, but, but oh my gosh, but lyrically, dear God. <laughs> he still ate them up. Still yeah. ate them up. <laughs> Absolutely, but I, God, oh man, I was about to say something and I completely forgot. Okay, let's we'll just keep talking. <laughs> it'll come back to me. It'll keep. It'll come back. All right, so this might be a good time for us to take a quick break, cool. and we'll be right back. Are you enjoying this podcast? Hell yeah! <laughs> You're enjoying it as much as he is. There's a couple things you could do. You can feel free to drop some coins into our collection plate at coffee.com/slash toy podcast. And that's coffee, ko-fi.com. Link is also in the show notes. We're self-funded, so any support would be appreciated. And if you don't have any extra coins to spare, just leave us a five-star rating or review. Like J-Lo's love, it won't cost you a thing. You're just sitting at home on the couch anyhow. (laughs) All right, thanks. Back to the show. And we are back with They Reminisce Over You. We're going to end this episode off with a game we like to play called This or That. Questions are going to be pretty simple at the beginning, but they're going to get progressively harder as we get to the mm, towards the end. Uh, I like that. For an example, what's the better album, Off the Wall or Thriller? It could go the, either oh, way. You choose, you're choosing violence. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's questions like that. Depending on the day, Off the Wall is the better one. Next day, it might be Thriller. All right. So you guys ready? Yes. Indeed. Let's, let's All right. Do it. So the first question in their prime, which hip hop magazine was better? Double XL or the source? Oh, I'm going to say the source. Okay. I also agree. The source. I think double XL had a bit of a, you know, they had just kind of a corporate shine to them. I like the source. The source was gritty. In okay. their prime. So the source there. All right. Next question. Yo MTV raps or rap city. Yo MTV raps. Ooh. <laughs> I'm Yo MTV raps. Uh, are, are we talking Monday through Friday Yo MTV raps or are we talking Saturday so with Fat Fry Freddy? You can combine those two <laughs> versus see, Rap City. I combined okay. them in my head. Like I see them as one thing. <laughs> I, I got love for Chris and for Big Tig and all those guys, but I'm going to give it to Yo MTV raps. Okay. All right. All right. We're stepping it up here. Greatest hype man of all time. Flavor Flav or Spliff Star? (laughs) I told you they were going to get progressively harder. Uh, All right. So (laughs) not for nothing, Spliff Star is amazing. Amazing. Matches can match Buster Rhymes energy nonstop. But come on, Flavor Flav is just iconic. (laughs) He's just, he's straight up iconic from the clock to the grill (laughs) to the the crazy face, the hands in the face dance, everything you just cannot. It's flavor flavor for me. Um, 
So I'm trying, hold on. I'm trying to, <laughs> because I told you PE held a special place for me. So I'm yes. trying to like take that and put, I'm trying to put it where it needs to be in order for <laughs> me to make this choice. Um, I, interestingly enough, so I am actually going to go with Spliff Star. Here's why. Spliff, when I think of the concept of a hype man, I actually think Flav transcended hype man. Like, because, you know, he also had his own thing. Um, right. He would have his own, he would have his own raps and da-da-da, all of that stuff. Spliff, yes, but, like, I think he was definitely the yin to Busta's yang. In like in a true hype man fashion, he would be like the Jerome to Morris Day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nice. And so I'm going to say that Spliff is the greatest hype man. I can't be mad at that. Me neither. When we went to Made in America in 2015, I believe, Public like Enemy that. performed. And I watched Flavor Flav do his thing. Then he went up and got on the drum set, started playing the drums. Next song, he came out and grabbed the bass and started playing the bass. And I'm like, when did he learn to do this? Right? Did he play the piano too? Like he did. He did. He He got on the key. Classically trained musician. I'm like, where did this come from? I was not expecting that for Flavor Flav at all. And I love PE, but I was not expecting all of that in the performance. Next one. All right, so. I did some investigating on you guys. <laughs> I know that Jay Ray, you up in Philly right now, right? Mm-hmm. Sir Daniel, you down in Atlanta right now. Jay Ray, here's Thanks. a question for you. Okay. Only one can stay. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince or The Roots? Oh, The Roots. All right. That okay. was quick. Wow, that, was no that was really quick. <laughs> so no I hesitation. will tell you why. I respect and feel like the history... The history of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince is so critical because, one, we got DJ Jazzy Jeff out of that whole deal, right? <laughs> um, and just squarely one of the greatest DJs in the entire culture. And the reason why I picked The Roots, it's because, and one day I think we need to do this, is to start, like, put them in the center and then all the things that came from them they sprouted so much of what came out of hip hop and R&B from like 1999 through like the mid 2000s. Like when you listen to all of them groups, you like, they all ran through the Roots crew in some way, shape or form. So that's why I say they definitely stayed there their tentacles are just too great. We would lose too many people if they weren't around. All right, let's take it to Atlanta. Outcast so I, or Jermaine oh, Dupri. Okay, you get an Atlanta one. Yeah, you get an Atlanta oh, okay, one. Okay, so I get an Atlanta. So Outcast or Jermaine or Dupri. Jermaine Dupri. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is it's it's difficult because one would think if I was using J Ray's theory, I would say Outcast, right? But I am going to say Jermaine Dupree simply because a lot of people don't realize how much of the culture Jermaine Dupree has touched. And because we're talking about someone who who was introduced really to, to everyone on tour with Houdini and who gained fame as a dancer 
and actually touched all the elements of hip hop, dancer, producer, rapper, all of those things, DJs. And so when we think about, we would not have a, we would not have as many, um, I'm just going to say Atlanta would not be the music Mecca for hip hop. Had it not been for Jermaine and Chris Cross and that phenomenon putting the spotlight on Atlanta. Yes, we had Jack the Rapper and all of those things going on here, but people still don't even know about the magnitude of Jack the Rapper. But I do believe I saw a change after Jermaine Dupree did his thing with those kids. And we had the, the invent of boy bands, kid bands. You know, you had Criss Cross come out, and so everybody thought they could have a, a kid group come out in, in hip-hop. The way that they dressed, they were young enough to appeal to kids, but still pushed enough records that adults got into them as well, which made them marketable. Then you see Coca-Cola and Sprite and people like that come in to invest money in hip hop because, oh, this is popping. This is youth culture. We want to be a part of this. And it literally set the stage for everything that's happened in Atlanta since 1990. Honest to God's truth. I, I know we, and, and, and let's talk about what Jermaine has done since then, you know, with Mariah Carey. Usher. alone yeah. the emancipation of <laughs> mimi alone is like yeah is out of there janet jackson and usher to your point you know the man has touched not only hip-hop but he's also touched r&b and for if we're talking about the southern region if we're talking about moguls music moguls jermaine dupree is definitely at the top of that conversation list all right so this is gonna be the hardest question and I'll pose okay. it to both of you and you can answer it any way you want to. Which city right. has the greatest rappers, Atlanta or Philly? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's uh, so we talking are we talking skills and influence? Let's just go with influence. Actually, oh. you know what? Let's oh. go with skills. Let's go with skills. Okay. Let's, let's make it real hard. <laughs> hmm. Because there's some, you know, not for nothing. If we're talking about like people born and raised here. Or because tra- that's it the thing. Be Atlanta has a lot of transplants. You can include the brat. <laughs> okay. Um. Wow. Wow. This is really, really hard. Um. I think. Here's the thing about Philly. My answer is Atlanta. Here's why. The thing about Philly is. It's hard to be seen here and to get out. Like, a lot of rappers don't get out of Philly. So when we think about the fact that Black Thought is on TV now and the Fresh Prince is like a movie star, (laughs) that's an anomaly. Like, there are no, there are so few folks that make it out. Like, so that's why these, these folks are such a big deal. Like the Jills and the, the wills and all of that, the roots and, you know, cause had the roots not made a shift, they would not have made it out either. Right. They had to make some changes. Philly's definitely got spitters. I think Atlanta wins because they have sheer volume. Like there's so many folks that call Atlanta home. So I'm thinking of 
Outcast. I'm thinking of Goody Mob, in particular CeeLo. I'm thinking of J.I.D. I'm thinking of, um, there's just so many. I can go down the line of respected MCs that can kind of hold their own on the mic, you know, um, what was the question again? I want to make sure I'm answering. <laughs> Which city has the the greatest rappers? Based on skill. Based on skill. Which city has the greatest rappers based on skill? Uh, you know what? I'm changing it. It's Philly. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It's changing. It's you Philly. know what? It's Philly. I am. I'm going to. I am going to hold up the Atlanta banner <laughs> simply because. Okay, there's a local artist by the name of Chilio here in Atlanta. And Chilio created a t-shirt line that says, Atlanta influences everything. And so I'm saying Atlanta because if you listen to your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, no matter where they're from, their flow has been influenced by Atlanta, by Atlanta slang, by Atlanta swagger, Atlanta production, music production. Historically, if we can go back as far as MC Shy D, who is even is originally from the Bronx, but has claimed has been in Atlanta for so many years. Atlanta claims him as one of theirs. Even his flow has influenced a lot of rappers down here, and I don't think he gets enough credit. But there's so many people that the diversity of Atlanta rappers needs to be expressed as well, and and pinpoint and magnified as well. So if we're talking about the influence that, that this city has across the globe, I think that alone puts Atlanta rappers just a taste above Philly rappers. There are spitters. Philly got spitters for sure. But like J. Ray said earlier, a lot of times they don't pay homage to their spitters like they should. Like, we were on Twitter last night, J. Ray. You, me, and um, what is his name? The DJ down here our guy the djs with hourglass in them (laughs) oh uh jeremy avalon jeremy avalon we were talking about how y'all there was a a, this picture of philly rappers how you gonna put all this 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 collage of philly rappers up you don't have bahamadia you don't have est from three times dope no tiara whack i'm like no tiara whack no lady b no yvette money none of these people no ice cream tea so i'm like you know again I'm giving it to Atlanta because I've witnessed it. Atlanta has got influence is just so potent across the world that you cannot deny that Atlanta is the home of some of the dopest rappers at this point. You know, with that list for Philly, though, that you just ran down, you brought back a name I haven't thought about in at least 25 years. EST and three times dope. I'm going to have to pull up live from Macnicholas land and listen to it tonight. You know what I'm saying? Who wrote a joint that's like, for like Britney Spears, like EST good. And and was sampled by Beyonce, right? Yeah. I think so. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to have to throw some three times dope in his honor. Yeah. Thank you for that question. That's a really interesting question. Yes. I do definitely agree with Sir Daniel. I think the influence of Atlanta at this point, Atlanta has been the center of hip hop. And I said this recently for at least 20 years now. Yeah, for sure. Um, So it definitely moved from New York down to Atlanta and mostly because everybody from New York just went to Atlanta. (laughs) Um, 
And yeah, and I know Atlanta now is like, even though I'm going to come back, Sir Daniel, Atlanta's like, we closed. I'm like, but I was already here, though. I'm just coming back. <laughs> we, held, we held your spot, J-Ray. Don't worry. We held your spot. <laughs> oh, man. So I think we did it. Yeah. We, we got through it. No blood was drawn with these questions. No, you know, we're, we're, still we're mature. <laughs> exactly. We're mature. We we can agree to disagree mm-hmm. and still dap it up and get a chopped cheese. or <laughs> Not a chopped cheese. That's New York. Philly, you want to get a cheese? Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. And hey, look, the Eagles are going to the Super the Bowl. The Eagles are so going to look, the Super Bowl. You got are. that. Mm-hmm. You got that. <laughs> All right. So. We've been at it for about an hour now. I think we should wrap this up. Is there anything you guys want to tell to the people? Anything you want to push? Let the streets know what's going on. Do it, Jerry. <laughs> well, we got, we got it. So listen, I think what's really important, first of all, thank y'all for having us on yes. your show. Like, we absolutely respect your show so much. It's thank so you. well done. And uh, so we appreciate y'all inviting us over here to to hang out with y'all. Oh, of course. No, but definitely, um, I would say just just check us out. Like, definitely check us out. Check out the website, qpoints.com. We're continuing to make enhancements to it. Folks can watch some very cool things me and sir daniel uh, do however comma and i curse a lot on that show it's it's a different show we talk about pop culture and what's happening in the news and in the world and and i just kind of let loose over there so um i would say just check us out on our website at qpoints.com and also you can follow us individually so online i'm at j ray is the name and i'm at dj sir daniel and don't forget, you know, pick up some merch. You know, pick up some you might, merch. you might, you know, you go to our website, you'll feel, you'll see a very nice sweatshirt like the one I'm wearing, the hoodie I'm wearing that says "Stop tweeting, start rapping." Very appropriate for for Canadian weather, especially Toronto. Yeah, it's about it's eleven very degrees warm right and now. Comfy. Listen, it's perfect, and it makes a statement. Because there's plenty of spitters in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we all had that discussion. Mm-hmm. So like Jay Ray said, please just follow us, just support us. And again, thank you so much for having us. Shout out to your listeners. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much here at They Reminisce Over for sure. And thank you guys for doing this with us. And we will put links to all of that in our show notes. Yes, we will have links with all Absolutely. of that. You got anything you want to add, thank Christina? Thank you so much. Not really. Thanks again for coming out. And it was fun to switch things up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is our second interview. Yes. Second interview. So we're going to try and do a few more collaborations throughout the year. Like I said, with the 50 years of hip hop stuff. So of course we had to start with you guys. Thank you All so right. much. I can't awesome. wait. I, look, I can't wait for the other ones. Yeah. We appreciate it y'all. Thanks for doing it. So we're going to wrap this up here. Thank you again for listening. You can check us out at TroyPodcast.com, on the bird and the gram at Troy Podcast. And yeah, get the show notes, get all the things that you're looking for. And we'll be back again in two weeks. Deuces, silly gooses. (laughs) Peace. Peace.